Have I got your attention now? Hello and welcome to episode two of the Mars Podcasters. Who are these strange voices coming at you through the magic of podcasting? My name is Shannon. I'm joined here again by my brother, Jake. It's good to be back. And we've delivered a very, very special guest. His name is Jack. Welcome aboard. G'day, fellas. Welcome to my lovely home here. It's true. We are recording in the middle of Jack's lounge room, which uh, we appreciate the humble abode that you have provided us. It's a little bit of an upgrade from uh, from our ch- Jack's childhood bedroom that we recorded in last week, Jack. Yeah, a little bit, little bit different uh, surroundings, but thanks for having us, Jack. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to talk through, as promised, Remember the Titans, which uh, is a movie I hadn't seen and have now watched, and I think all three of us re-watched it again. Is that true? Mine was Saturday, Saturday yeah. night. And I watched it last night. And I watched it today, fresh in my mind. Uh, and uh, Jack has delivered the goods. He has done as promised. He has delivered his own segment, as we said last week. Jack, what's the segment for the listeners at home? Yes, so uh, the guys here demanded that I bring my own segment to the podcast. We are demanding like that. Uh, yeah. So I've done that. I will be reviewing an episode of The Simpsons. Now, oh, gee, The Simpsons. I, I'm not sure I remember Simpsons. that. It's, uh, Simpsons. Is that Simp- Simpsons. Nope, doesn't yeah. ring a bell. So... The Simpsons TV show, guys. I believe oh, you all know oh, okay. it's in about yeah. 20 plus seasons, oh, I think okay. we're up to now, worldwide. Mm. So, yeah, as I said, I'll be reviewing an episode of The Simpsons and then reliving some of the quotes that uh, others may have forgotten. Yeah, it's, it's not coming back to me, but I don't actually recall any quotable moments from that show. So, that's, uh, that's going to be interesting to, uh, to touch base on that. Uh, I'm going to do a rant because the world annoys me and I get upset and angry about things and I get sad and and, uh, and that makes me yell and that uh, is whiny and uh, Jake has to worry about the levels and I don't really care. I just uh, I just deliver the rant and he has to fix up my whininess at the end of it. Uh, and then we'll close the show and we're going to tell you what movie we're going to do next week. So uh, let's get cracking with Remember the Titans. Listen up, I'm Coach Boone. I'm going to tell you all about how much fun you're going to have this season. Will you ever quit? No! We want some more! We want some more! We want some more! We are the Titans! We are the Titans! You make sure that they remember forever the night they played the Titans. So Remember the Titans is a true story loosely based on a high school football team from Virginia in 1971. We follow the story of Herman Boone and coach Bill Yost through the football season, which was very different to any other. Denzel Washington plays Herman Boone. Will Patton plays Bill Yost. Two great performances. What's unique about this story is that it's in 1971. It's in the Deep South and it's right on the race war. So it's the African-Americans versus the Caucasians who are coming together to join in one big football team. And basically, it follows the whole season from where they are at training camp before the season starts to the very end where they come together and to try and win the state championship. So it's a, it's a backdrop in its race, and it really does beat you over the head nice and quickly uh, about the, the, the race uh, issues that they're, they're facing here. We see we're at the backdrop of a high school that's been amalgamated. It used to be black high school and a white high school. We, this is the first time we see the high schools being amalgamated and we've got uh, a, a co-ed situation and that really drives the film pretty heavily in the, in the race situations. Jake, you, this was your choice. Why did you, why did you choose this movie? What, did this, what spoke to you about this movie? Basically, I, watched, I haven't seen this movie for eight, nine, ten years, but as a teenager watching this, I was shocked at what happened back then, back in the times, and it really touched me on touched me on a personal level, the fact that we have these football players who are so different 
and they find a way to work together. And as a the healing power of football, the healing power <laughs> of football. But the the eleven and eleven and twelve year old me just loved this story, loved the the arc, loved the characters, just loved everything about this movie. I loved the sports back then. I didn't know much about American football, so this was a good introduction to that. I love Denzel. Great coach. And it is Denzel being Denzel, really, isn't it? He doesn't doesn't do a lot in other movies, but he's just he's Denzel. He's actually fairly downplayed for Denzel. He's not so screamy, um, but uh, he he is the driving force, and and uh, and his character gets put into the into the head coach position uh, over a the previous head coach who happens to be white. Denzel's black as you would know from being Denzel, from seeing Denzel and lots of other stuff. Um, he gets put in as a, as a head coach. And uh, and that obviously causes the tension. That really kicks us off. And it, it really hums. That first five minutes, it hums through. Like, everything is set up in five minutes' time. There's no mucking around in this story. Uh, we're straight in. We see the, the major conflict of the, of the story straight up. And we're, we're with those kids early on. And that's, that's pretty much how. And, and this is the first time I'd, I'd seen this movie uh, completely. And, and out of the thousands of movies I've seen, this was not one of them. So uh, I sat down and, and watched it with open eyes. And I know, Jack, you, it was your first time watching it too. Um, what did you think early on? Um, early on, it, you're, de- you're damn right in saying that it really hits you over the head real quick. The issues that these kids are facing um, in 1971 in the south of America regarding race, it's just like bang, here it is. And the thing that surprised me about the movie is how much it plays on that theme throughout almost the entire movie. Early on, you see uh, the black kids and the white kids go to a football camp to be trained and to be selected basically for this football team. And then when you're watching it, you're thinking, okay, they're going to all be buddy-buddy at the end of this and they'll come out all sweet and they'll all be friends. But that doesn't really happen. No. Um, And they continue to face their challenges throughout I would say three quarters of the movie, yeah. um, where those race-related issues still come up. And if it's not the kids fighting against each other with race, it's the it's the town or the parents or the students or the teachers or the school. Everyone's down on race, and and it kicks through the whole thing. It really is its own character, and it's probably the biggest character of the movie is race and those race tensions. But I think going back to why I loved it so much is it's the first real movie I saw where it wasn't all up, 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 up. There was downs. Mm. There was Yes, they're winning games and they're heroes and the town loves them, but there's still that race warp there for some people, especially the older the older generation. The restaurant owner, when he kicks them out of the bar when they're hard, when they're celebrating, they've just won a game, but they're still not accepted. Yeah. And, that, and that's something I'd never really seen before. Yeah, and look, the, the adults in this movie are cartoonishly villainous. Like, you can almost see them stroking a cat with a cape. Like, they are they are really cartoonish. And, and the mum, uh, the, the, our main character, Gary, his mum is straight away down on him having a black friend. Um, you, you mentioned that the, the tavern keeper or whatever, he throws yeah, those kids yep. out, doesn't want those kids in there after the big win. Um, you know, the, the people who try to – there's a, the group of people that try to get Yost back as the head coach yeah. and pay a ref off. Yeah. They, they're so cartoonishly evil through this. They only, they're only one-track characters. They just are there to, to push the plot along. Yeah, and even the scene just before the first game when uh, Herman Boone gets approached by – I don't even know this guy's name, but the guy who I believe got him the job, yeah. um, and he says that they're going to kick you off as soon as you lose the first game. Yeah. And even that, I found that really weird. Yeah. Because they worked so hard to get this guy, who's a black coach, to be the coach of this team, yeah. and then they're willing to boot him off after one game if yeah. he loses. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> What's with yeah, that? Yeah, like everyone wouldn't go, hey, what, what happened to that coach? Like, wasn't he there? Like, one, one loss. If, what was it? If it was a, a seven, seven, three loss or something, and someone missed a field goal, a touchdown, all of a sudden he's out. It just, you know, it, it was it was cartoonish villainy. I think that 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 carries through the whole lot. I don't think there was a 
a, a, a character on the opposing side that wasn't cartoonish. It was all very, you know, it yeah. was all very, very cartoonish. All, all, the, all the, the big bad guys from the other team, not so much the coach, but even the players were larger than life, yeah. mean machine, yeah. bulldog Go out people. and kill him. Go out and deal. kill him. Yeah. And, the, and then they find a way to over, overturn him and stuff. But that, that's all over the top and just yeah. extreme. So you do really get beaten about the head with that message of, of race and that the people are bad and, you know, there's no there's no ambiguity. If they're a bad person in this movie, you know they're bad because they're stroking cats the whole time. Um, and and no, so, one, no one really changes in this movie. You kind of, except uh, the... Oh, the ones that need to change. The, change. Yeah, the, the girlfriend at the end where she shakes Julia's hand. But no, none of the oh, adults, um, yeah, none of the adults change their mind. And, and you have jumped, all... jumped ahead to that 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 end, that last twenty minutes. It, everyone learns a valuable lesson in that. We we see we see Ryan Gosling look after Donald Faison right at the end. Um, we see Kate Bosworth learn a nice lesson and shake someone's hand. Yost learns a valuable lesson about trusting Denzel. It, it's it's really laid on thick. They punch you over the head with that stick. They say, "Here, here's a message for you guys." Whack. Look after everyone. Whack, 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 and that keeps happening. So um, it's quite an interesting, uh, interesting way of doing it. But you know, if you if you walk out of that movie confused about who the good guys and the bad guys are, I think you haven't watched the same movie we've all been watching. It, look, it was a very Disney movie, and I tell you what, if I was a diabetic, don't watch this because you will you will get it's so sickly sweet you will have diabetic fit. So you know, it, it's really really sweet, even for a Disney movie. Um, as I said before they layer on that message really thick. Really early on, you get beaten over the head with a stick and really late on, all the characters learn a valuable lesson. Everyone grows as a person and the, the team wins the championship game. They, they go undefeated. They run all the way through and they do a trick play at the end that wins the game and uh, yay, everyone's happy. Uh, and then all of a sudden we get this crazy ending where our main character who has been paralyzed through a, through a car accident who's watching the game from his his, his hospital bed, we get a, a voiceover that says, he wins a shot put gold medal at the Paralympics and then he dies. And now we're at his funeral and it just whacks you out of nowhere. That was the first thing that struck me really, really early on. Um, it was a really strange thing. Um, we, we I tell you what, the, it's this weird thing in these, these high school movies is that they all look 30. All these kids could be Denzel's dad. Like, I don't understand why we keep doing this. We've got no childhood actors that can play AMOs. I, I do love this aspect of the movie. I think it's hilarious. All these guys are gigantic. Yeah, they're and gigantic. I did not look like that in high school. No, I'm just no, saying. No. They're, they're all, they're you wouldn't have been playing football in high school, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> they're ripped. They've got six-packs coming on their six-packs. And, and, they and they're shaving three times a day. These kids are ripped. The best bit I like about the movie is when it shoots towards the funeral at the end. And everyone has a mustache. Yeah, it's to, like what? Yeah, this is to show that everyone they've grown has a mustache. up. To show that they've but grown they up. They look exactly the same. Yeah, they're they're grown up. anyway. Yeah, we see Ryan Gosling's playing playing an eighteen year old or seventeen year old. He looks eighteen. Yeah, D- Donald Faison's in there. Ian Ethan Suplee. Uh, we'll go through this. There's a lot of stars that turn up in this in this movie, and Jake will run through those a bit later. Um, Hayden Panettiere plays a, a, a like a nine year old kid. She is insufferable. I tell you what, I, I'm generally down on movie kids, but she is an insufferable movie kid. She's got that annoying habit of talking to an adult like an adult, even though kids don't talk like that. But and everything every saying, time she's on screen, she's insufferable. But in saying that, was that the character who was that was that the character I she would, was? I would think so. I think she played the the part very well. And yeah, I'd but she's just scripted, a bit. I'd say it was scripted. Exactly like she's like just a bit sassy for for a nine year old. She says stuff that no nine year old would say. 
she's just a bit insufferable. And every time she's on screen, I really hope that she's going to, they're going to put her in to quarterback and she's going to get sacked. <laughs> that's, that's my great hope is that one day they just bring her in. And I was waiting for the point because she does talk a lot of strategy during the movie. And I was waiting for the point where she would actually become part of the coaching panel or be on the well, she goes to the camp. Team. They take this ca- these kids, yeah, kids the on the way to a camp for, for seven days. The make or break camp. If you're going to get in this team, you are going to have to survive this camp. Why is that kid there serving drinks? What the hell is going on in this place? She's a water boy. She is the water boy. And I'll tell you what, the camp. One thing, I don't know, what, what's the budget of this movie? What, what, how much was it made for? So, budget was $30 million. Okay, so 25 of that is Denzel's wage. The $2 million <laughs> is white singlets. Because uh, there is a lot of white singlets. It's that age-old thing of someone gets woken up in the middle of the night, they're wearing white singlets. Do you own a white singlet, Jack? Uh, not a pure white one, no, I don't reckon. Do you um, own a single, I'm white singlet? I'm going to say no. I don't think I've ever worn a white singlet in my life. Well, there's none left after that movie. No, no, all shipped to America for Denzel and but, the kids. You see how dirty they all got after that run. They did. I don't know they, how they did. Yeah, there must why? have been a lot of falling over. Yeah, yeah. Why they fall over so much and get dirt all over them? These are bad, these are bad athletes. I think that's the most important part. They're bad athletes. Yeah. Um, the other thing that really got me is that the football's really bad. I think, And it goes to show this is really hard, really, really hard to show good good football in these sorts of games. I think that's really any code. I don't know that any any code of any, any sport has gotten to a point where you can show it. I think the only one that you really you can do is boxing. I think boxing is a really good one because you, you just let the actors go at it and they train for a lot of a lot of years, you know, like like Rocky and those things and, and Raging Bull. You get really good boxing scenes, but I can't think of another sport that would that shows. Oh, look, sorry, uh, the, the the master's piece that is uh, Happy Gilmore golfing. Let's but review that next week. Yeah, it's, it's a nice it's a nice <laughs> movie to show, but it does show some really good golfing scenes. Um, other than that, I think it's really hard to show. And what what it really is is it's actors, not not athletes. And I think that they've just got to cut around it a lot. But there is one, a couple of ridiculous scenes. There's a running scene that looks like it's on green screen that, that could be like the Marathon Man. It's it's utterly terrible. It took me out of the film. There's some really good bone-crushing hits in there that, that kind of is made up. But the rest of it just looks terrible. And we don't see a lot of plays. And for someone to talk a lot about plays and how that works, Hayden Panettiere's character is always talking about plays. The shotgun, the shotgun. Yeah, I just... But they don't show any, any real decent football. There's a couple of it in there. But I just really struck me that the football part's quite bad and that's probably why you don't see a lot of it because it's really hard and they just have to cut the living daylights out of it to get it in there. I think, though, that might have been on purpose to show this at the heart of the story. But they're going about this being an award-winning defence and defence you can't break and you don't you barely see it. Well, that's one thing you never see. You never see the defence mm. be that mighty defence. You see a few bone crashing and, things. And it's cuts. It's really yeah. heavily cut. It's cut so, to here, cut to there. So cut. So, you know, you don't really see a lot of it. No, it just goes to show how difficult that is to show on film. I think the longest yard probably did NFL. The <laughs> <laughs> you talk, you're talking the Sandler version, aren't you, though? Yeah. yeah. By the way, watch the straight after Remember the Titans. Yeah. Probably should review that. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jack's been banned from this podcast because he has dropped in the second Adam Sandler reference. So you're only allowed one per podcast. So. Uh, didn't you do the first one? I think <laughs> that's right. That's what I'm saying. Only, only one per podcast. I'm allowed well, to drop I'm it allowed, in. I'm allowed one now. No, 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 no. It's one per podcast. Jack and Jill. Not Jack and Jill. Person. No? Oh, get out. That's, okay, now you're banned from the podcast. You're banned from your own podcast. Um, now, Jake, there is a lot of star-making turns in this. We see a lot of people that we have that we have turned up in this movie that really it's either their first or their first major role. Uh, who, who turns up in this movie? Well, obviously the main one is probably Hayden Penetier. I think she, probably her launching pad into Heroes was probably 
yeah, a little bit early, but it got her on the map. I think she's good, actually, but she's insufferable. I think the character's insufferable. Well, not that, the actress. she actually won a lot of got a lot, a lot of nominations through People's Choice and whatnot for yeah. that, that role. Uh, Ryan Gosling, as you said before, uh, very small role, but uh, Donald Faison, obviously Turk from Scrubs. Yeah, yeah, and and he he has a white buddy. He he gets on with uh, with Ryan Gosling in the end of it, and I don't think Donald Faison can be in something where he doesn't have a chummy white white friend. Um, I think second casting for for the, the Ryan Gosling was was uh, was Zach Braff. Um, although I think. They were actually both built like football players in this in this movie. I mean, he does not look like a football player. I don't know what position he's supposed to be playing, Ryan Gosling, but he does not look like a football player. No, it's going to be a defensive He's on line. the defense. Like, on the defense. Like he's he's, he's very slide. He's skinny. I don't know what he's playing, but anyway. Uh, so you got Wood Harris. Um, not so much movies, but went into TV. Ethan Suplee turns up from uh, My Name is Earl, the big, big guy from My Name is Earl. He's in there as well. Um, so there's, there's quite a lot in there that, um, that really, really kick on, and they all do a pretty good job. It's pretty well acted, really, around the board. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the ending. As I said, they do really layer on the learnings really, really heavily, even for a Disney film at the end. Like, everyone learns a valuable lesson about race and believing in each other. You've got Kate Bosworth character shaking, finally shaking our our main African-American bloke's hand, finally after refusing to do it the first time around. You get... Ryan Gosling uh, handing his position to Donald Faison because he's better at it than, than he is to win the championship game. You know, you get Yost admitting to Denzel uh, that he that he needs his help. He's getting his ass kicked and he needs his help. All these characters learn a valuable lesson with 10 minutes to go in the film and they win the championship game by playing a trick play, which is Yost's Yost play. It's very Disney. It's so Disney it and so... It's Disney, as he said. Diabetic, diabetic attack. Oh, right it is. It's end. so sweet. Sickly yeah. sweet at the end. Yeah, so we're the, we're the champions of the football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, it, the football. Yeah, I look, Mighty Ducks does it better, I reckon. Oh, but anyway, that's, we're talking great uh, great sport movies. There's a, there's, oh, a, there's a sports movie that actually does the sports okay. Hockey. Oh, is, 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 uh, is the Mighty Ducks. It's actually not bad. Um and then, and then we get that weird ending, and, and I, that really—that is the one thing that stuck out for me. That really weird ending of 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 Gary, Jerry, whoever his whatever his name is, laying uh, in the, in the hospital bed. He's been paralyzed by a car accident, and and we just he just dies like out of the blue. Even for a Disney movie, it's just like bang. It's, it, you know, I know that's what happened in real life from what we what we appreciate, um, but it just comes out of nowhere, and then everyone's got mustaches. The end, and that's pretty much how it works. <laughs> bang in the mustache. Um, but, you know, look, it was a good film. It, it ticked along. It really moved quickly. There was no waste. It was really – look, it's it's nicely shot, um, beautifully scored, as you said. The acting's actually pretty solid. It is very sweet. It's too sweet, sickly sweet. I like people to suffer and then die uh, in my in my movies <laughs> rather than die off screen. No, look, it's, it's actually not bad. It's worth watching. So what do you give it, Shannon, on your scale of 1 to 37? One, one what, to 37. Are we, what are we talking? I'm angling at about 25. Look, it's, it's pretty good. It's certainly never going to hit the top, my top 10, 15, 20, 30. But, oh, you know, it's, it's, a good, it's good enough. It's, it's not a bad movie, and I can see why it would speak to someone like, uh, like Jake. I'm not sure what that, that represents <laughs> about me. But, I mean, as a, as a teenager, this is what it hit me pretty hard. So that's why I've always rated it so highly. Rewatching it now, obviously you can see the plot points you when you do a little bit more research you can see that it's not the movie that it, you visioned in your head it still gave me goosebumps watching it the inspirational speeches still made my heart race and i still still really happy at the end so it still holds up in my book and and, and being being the sort of person i am digging into the film a little bit more what we do find out is that it's pretty loosely based on a true story um it's there's a lot of stuff in there that simply just did not happen and i think you look if you take it on face value it's a, it's a pretty nice tightly tightly told story throwing in all, all the other stuff that happened that just simply didn't is made up for the movie. Obviously, a lot of that's to keep the plot 
ticking along because as we as we know um, that final championship game they absolutely tranced the other team there was there was no question at all they absolutely thumped them um, and it was a, it was a complete walkover and so that doesn't make for a good movie though does it we obviously get the nice tight thing uh, and and look a lot of this stuff just didn't happen they didn't go to Gettysburg in the way that it's depicted in the film they didn't run through a cemetery or anything like that there is a lot what the movie was and, and, and what it wasn't um, but if you take it on face value it's pretty good so that was Remember the Titans and I will break my foot off in your John Brown hind parts and then you will run a mile alright so the next segment we're going to talk about is uh, our special guest has brought his own segment as promised uh, and Jack we're going to talk to you about Simpsons I caramba. Okay, I caramba indeed. So, what I, as I said in the opening, what I'll be running through is uh, an episode of The Simpsons that I believe is fantastic. And then remember some of the quotes from that episode that people may have forgotten. Now, the reason for doing this is. Growing up, I think we all, uh, all of us, majority of us grew up in the 90s, mm. 90s, early 2000s. Um, we had the luxury of having The Simpsons on every single night at 6pm. Yep. Now, I believe kids these days miss out on this a little bit because I don't think it's on at 6pm every single night anymore, is it? Unless you have Foxtel, I think. It's on. Yeah, unless you have pay TV here, you get... Um, you get your marathons every now and then, but it shows a lot of the new Simpsons. Yeah. Um, and what do we think about the new Simpsons, fellas? Uh, I don't watch it anymore. It's just pass. It's it garbage. Is it garbage. is. It, there's no doubting that it's absolute garbage. Seasons one to about ten is the really good stuff. Yeah. I can put up with probably about till season fifteen. Um, Fifteen's pushing it. I, I'd cut it at ten. I don't I'd, think. I'd, I'd I'd be I, 12, I, I honestly could not remember an episode. After season 10. Yeah. I, yeah, I probably can't name you one, but I think if I had it on the TV, I'd probably watch it and have the occasional ha-ha. But um, as I said, the real gold is in between 1 and 10. Yeah. So as I said, the kids these days, I'm telling you, there is nothing more frustrating than when I drop a really good Simpsons line to my mates or something or some younger generation people and they give me that look of, I do not know what you're talking about. And I can attest, Jack drives past children on playgrounds and just screams <laughs> quotes at them, and they just don't react at all. And then they call the police. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. I really don't enjoy that at all. So the reason why I wanted to bring up these old quotes is to hopefully enlighten some of our younger listeners and get them to, to and go they, back and And they watch. really are. This is our demographic. Oh, my God. Small children. Is <laughs> <laughs> who listening to this podcast. Get on board. Watch Pulp Fiction yeah. if you haven't already, kids. <laughs> and The Simpsons. <laughs> so my example of that is I... Every single time it rains, I will bring up the old Simpsons line from Treehouse of Horror episode. I believe it's Treehouse of Horror 5, mm. where Homer mistakenly makes the time machine out of the toaster. And he goes back in time and starts changing things. And then when he goes, comes back into the present time, things are different. Mm. And he comes back into an alternate universe where donuts don't exist. Yeah. And then it, he leaves just before it starts raining. And Marge says, oh, it's raining again. <laughs> And it starts raining donuts. So every time it rains, I say that, and then I say donuts. Yeah. And people give me. And you get donuts. And people give me donuts. Yeah, they give and it infuriates yeah. me. Nothing infuriates me more than that. So um, the episode that I've chosen to review is voted as one of the best Simpsons episodes ever. Mm. Um, you may not know about the title, but the title is You Only Move Twice, which is season eight, episode two. It's episode 155 in. All the episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah, and you and could sum it up in one word, really, couldn't you? Awesome. Yep. 
Yeah, it is, it is an awesome episode. And so it is the episode where Homer gets offered a job by the Globex Corporation um, and he moves the entire Simpson family from Springfield to uh, Cypress Creek. Um, and it has also the... This is undoubtedly voted the best one-time character of The Simpsons of all time, uh, Hank Scorpio. Oh, that's controversial. That is controversial. He's Thoughts? a very, very good character. I don't know if he's the best one-time. Hey, I'm just... The facts, mate. Hey, yo, well, I, I don't want to argue with the internet. You know. Well, the internet's always right, so yeah. I think one-shot character, top five, get it guaranteed. I yeah. can't really think of many off the top of my head. My personal favourite is Carl. He's definitely yeah. Carl from The Simpsons. His voice makes me melt. Yeah. He's, of course, from the episode where Homer um, grows his hair back and Carl becomes his secretary at the, at the plant. But um, So this episode, yeah, um, Homer moves with his family to uh, Cypress Creek. They all have their own individual stories in this episode as well, which is very good, which is one of the reasons why I like it. Homer does his own thing in his new job. Bart goes back to goes back to primary school and has to go through a kind of special special school class with a whole bunch of other special kids. And Lisa is allergic to everything. <laughs> and then Marge uh, becomes somewhat of an alcoholic because she can't do any housework. Sure, because um, they're in this special house that cleans for and stuff. That's right. Yep. So at the start, of, at the very start of the episode, we of course get the chalkboard gag, which um, in this episode is Bart's writing up on the board, I did not learn everything I needed to know in kinder, <laughs> which is ironic because he does essentially go back to a kinder stage of learning. It is, it's funny because it's actually, they kind of just, Bart just coasts through on stuff. This is the first episode we see almost like real what would happen in real life. He's probably like, don't you, you don't know anything, Bart. You're a terrible student. Go back and learn. Because at Springfield Elementary, he just kind of just coasts through. And yes, he's a bad student, but this is actually real world where he's just like, "Yep, go back to primary." Yeah, unless uh, yeah, apart from that episode where he is um, threatened with failure and mm. having to repeat the third grade. But um, anyway, um, and the couch gag for this episode is that everyone rocks up in parachutes and Homer falls straight through the floor. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start with Smithers. Um, Smithers comes into the scene. He's coming out of his house and he gets tries to get poached by the secretary or whoever it is, the lady in the limo from the Globex Corporation. This is hilarious, this bit, because he's walking down the street and he refuses them a couple of times. Um, and then he says to them, why can't anyone just walk down the street without being offered a job these days? God! Which, when you look at it these days, un- unemployment is obviously a big issue. And yeah. <laughs> seeing, that, seeing that these days, I find quite humorous. Um so he does that and he refuses the job from Globex and then they say, oh, well, we're going to have to go to the next senior man at the plant <laughs> and somehow that's Homer. Yeah. <laughs> somehow yeah. the second most senior man at the power plant is Homer Simpson. In time served. Time served, time yeah. served yeah. I think, is the way to go, yeah. Yes, I think that's right. So anyway, all in all, Homer accepts the job. He goes back home, tells Marge and the kids. Um, he just accepts it and then just tells Marge that's He does, happening. that's yeah. right. He comes home and tells her straight away. Marge cr- cracks the nanas <laughs> and um, says to Homer, what, you accepted this position without even talking to your family? And he's like, of course not. Why not? <laughs> Ripper. Good work, Homer. If any husband or any boyfriend will know exactly the consequence of making a decision without consulting your better half. Especially moving them half across the country with mm, the kids. Indeed. Mm. Um, so, we go through that. They move. They borrow all Flanders junk and move Flanders diddly does and whatever. And that's the last you see. They say goodbye to Springfield and arrive in Cypress Creek, which is where it starts to get real good. Mm. So, this is about six minutes in. We get the arrival of... Hank Scorpio. He is the boss of the Globex Corporation and essentially is a supervillain, but mm. we don't know that at this stage yet. Um, so he comes in 
They move into their new home, and as soon as Bart closes the door, they get a knock on the door. There's Mr. Scorpio with a nice basket of fruit. <laughs> um, and this scene is fantastic. Um, Scorpio does a great speech about being the boss and how he doesn't like being called a boss, though, because he likes to treat everyone as equals in the uh, in the organisation, but then uh, flaunts how much more money he earns Mm. and how much more vacations he gets to take, um, which is hilarious. And then he has – the next piece of dialogue in that speech has created one of the biggest arguments for fans of The Simpsons, and I have read a bit online about this, and it has broken up some friendships. (laughs) Now, the line is when Hank is talking about his slippers, and then he says – if you like him, you've got a pair in your closet. If you don't like him, neither do I. And he throws his slippers away and says goodbye. Get, get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. And then he says to Homer, have you ever seen a man say goodbye to his slippers once? And Homer says, yes, once. <laughs> now, the argument is, um, and I'll get your thoughts on this, what is Homer referring to when he says yes once? Is he referring to the fact that he's just seen Hank throw away his shoes and say goodbye to them? Or is he talking about how he's seen someone do that previously. Yeah, I think it's a throwaway line, and I think it's simply just – it would be Homer like, oh, no, that's not – no, he didn't. Is is just such a typical Matt Groening line. Yeah, that's that, right. That yep. is, this is Homer – this is the writers at their best. This is the peak of their power season eight when they're starting to really smash these, these sorts of lines out. I, I just think it's Homer being a complete knob. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. What I think it does, what it does for me, is that it makes you think through all the previous seasons of The Simpsons to – hang on. Has anyone actually said goodbye to their shoes before in The Simpsons? I don't know. Oh, moving on. Yeah. So that's where you get introduced to Scorpio, and he continues on his fun run, and it's a fantastic scene. Um, Anyone that hasn't seen this episode, please go and see it, because you're missing out. Um, The next great line that I love is when he, Homer's first day of work. Now, he's walking through the office with Hank, and um, I find this bit hilarious, so I'm probably going to (laughs) laugh. He uh, He's walking through, and... Scorpio says, oh, we're all very casual here, Homer. You'll notice that we're all very casual, and Homer's very uh, very stagnant in the way, and he's obviously very nervous. And he says, yes, Mr. Scorpion, sir, I will realise that we're all very casual. First first of all, don't call me Mr. Scorpio, because it's Mr. S- don't call me Mr. Scorpion, because it's Mr. Scorpio. But don't call me that either. <laughs> Just call me Hank. It's a pisser. I love that bit. It is very, very funny. Um, so they continue on. And um, then I think they give Hank and Homer a little bit of a break and then they start running through the other stories. Lisa's story's crap, but it's good she has her own bit in this episode. But, um, you know, it's a bit boring. She gets allergic to everything. Who cares? Yeah, in comparison to the other stuff that's happening, Lisa getting the sniffles is really not a problem. More Scorpio, please. (laughs) Yeah. Get rid of Lisa, get out. Um, Bart's bit is hilarious. And another great line that everyone always remembers from this episode is one of Bart's... uh, colleagues I guess or school students fellow school students when he gets put in the remedial class <laughs> is the bloke from Canada yeah. <laughs> and I read a lot about this as well is the uh, the Yanks still use this as one of their greatest lines yeah. for insulting yeah. their neighbours to the north um, and Bart turns to this Canadian kid and says oh what have they got you in here for and he replies by saying I'm from Canada and people think I'm slow eh? Yeah, someone, Fantastic. some kids in there for like lighting fires or yeah, something. Bart's because he's, he's a he's a he's a bad kid, and this kid's just Canadian, and that's that hilarious. <laughs> and I know the Yanks love to hang it on their Canadians, but um, yeah, hilarious. I love that bit. 
Um, the other line that I think really resonates with this episode and everyone always remembers is um, the line about the hammocks. Yeah. <laughs> so Homer's job at Globex is to motivate his staff. He's got three dudes that work on the nuclear reactor and his job is to manage them and uh, motivate them. Now, one of the things he decides to do that will help motivate them is to – they're very tired and yeah. obviously haven't gone home ever. <laughs> so he wants to get them hammocks so that they can sleep in their office and then wake up in the morning and just go back to the computer. Anyway, he talks to Hank a lot and says, I want to buy some hammocks. And he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, there's Hammocks R Us, that's on third. There's Wendy's hammocks. Oh, Wendy gets in the hammock with you, blah, blah, blah. That's also on third. Oh, wait a minute. They're all on third. Oh, you mean the hammock complex. Oh, yeah, the hammock district. <laughs> it's just, I love the, the Globex. <laughs> it's this corporation that has, it's like a Westfield. Yeah. It's like, it's like Fountain Gate. It's um, shopping centre. It's a whole district center. of hammocks. a whole district of hammocks on an off floor. Um, that is fantastic and one of the well-known, well-known lines. Um, so the other theme that runs through this episode is the theme that it's a rip-off of Bond. Yeah. Um, you'll find that it is a very close rip-off of some of the Bond films. Um, you only... You Only Live Twice is, of course, a Bond film. Yeah. Um, it also rips off a little bit of Goldfinger as well. Um, so there's another great scene. We move on later down into the episode where uh, a Sean Connery-type character <laughs> is um, is being tied up by Scorpio and he's threatening to kill him. Is that Mr. Bunt? That's Mr. Bunt. <laughs> Mr. Bunt. I love that. It's fantastic. And um, Scorpio's got the laser out. He flips the coin and manages to release himself. And the great line from Scorpio after this is, um, Mr. Bunt is running away and looking to escape. And then <laughs> Scorpio just says very bluntly, Stop him! He's meant to die! <laughs> <laughs> and it's just something that, after I'm a massive fan of the Bond films, mm. and um, it's something that never really happens. He always manages to escape Bond yeah. and barely has a scratch on him. But in this case, Hank's just like, Nope, stop him. He's got to die. And what happens? And what happens? <laughs> Uh, Homer tackles tackles Mr. Bont. Homer tackles Bont. And then there's a very great scene where there's just a whole bunch of machine, <laughs> machine right. gun fire. <laughs> and just straight up murders him. He's like, thanks for that, Homer. <laughs> and then the rest of the guards he, grab him and shoot him. Did he then say put an extra level on your house when you get yeah, home? Yeah, yeah. By the time you get home, there'll be another level on your house. It's fantastic. Um, just so bluntly, Homer uh, Bond always escapes. Yeah. And not in The Simpsons, no. though. He gets shot. Terribly by four people with machine guns. Um, so that's another great line, and that was one that I'd forgot. I yep. forgot that Scorpio actually <laughs> says that. So, but the line that I want to remind people of, and it is a line that I had forgotten before I watched this episode, because I did watch it again last night, um, and it is hilarious. It's when Homer is looking for sugar. <laughs> he's, he's poured a cup of coffee, and this is what I find funny about it, is Globex has everything. Mm. It obviously has everything. It's got a district for hammocks. Yet Homer cannot find any sugar for his coffee. So anyway, he goes into Scorpio's death lab or whatever it is, the, where the massive laser beam is in the side of the mountain, and um, asks Hank, have you got any sugar? And he digs into his pockets <laughs> and has this two handfuls of sugar. How he fits two handfuls of sugar in his pockets, I don't know, but he does. Um, and then gives it to Homer. And then the next line is, do you want any cream with that? And I was just like, uh, no. no. <laughs> I knew the line about the sugar, but I completely forgotten about the line with the cream. So that's probably my takeaway. 
takeaway line from this episode, mainly because I'm an adult now. And when Scorpio says that, he has both his hands in his pockets. <laughs> so there could be some connotations there uh, for that line, which may be a bit concerning for the younger viewers. But of course, you never pick up on that stuff when you're a kid. Um, so that's my takeaway line from this episode. Um but yeah, if you haven't seen that episode, season eight, episode two, go out and buy it if you can't see it online. Yeah, and if you haven't um, seen it, what is wrong with you people? Go out and stop the podcast, go and watch it right now. I think this could be a segue to a rant for you. Yeah, it could be just people, about people who haven't watched Simpsons. People that is Armstrong. Yes, called out on the podcast. <laughs> called out. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've called you out, Armstrong. Uh, yeah, we have a friend that has this. Is this person might he's, he'd be 50, 60 plus. You'll love that too. <laughs> um, and uh, rip, he rip, has, rip a mode. He, he hadn't seen Simpsons. Yeah, and I actually had to go home that pick up season four, five, and six, I think I pulled off my shelf, which are the Conan O'Brien era episodes, which are yeah. just the greatest episodes of all time. They're the real cream of the crop. Yeah. Brought them in and said, watch these, and, and you will understand what people are talking about. This this show is a cultural touchstone. Yeah. It, it so much gets referenced in this. It's taught me so much about movies and TV as well. Mm. Um, my takeaway from, from the episode is that Homer really wants to own a, uh, a football team. That's right. He wants to own the Dallas Cowboys. So that is that is right at the end. Yeah. Is he says during during the episode multiple times he says what his dream is. He was asked by Marge or his mm. kids, yeah. and then he was also asked by Hank yeah. what his dream was. And both the times he replies, "I want to own the Dallas Cowboys." Yeah. And they both look. Marge and the kids laugh. Mm. Um, Hank takes it very seriously, but in the end, when he because they end up leaving. Cypress Creek because... We've got to reset. We go back to Springfield to reset right. again for we the go, next episode. And he comes home. There's a note there from Scorpio. Yeah. It may not be the Dallas Cowboys, but it's, this, a, start. it's a start <laughs> and it's the Denver Broncos. <laughs> and Homer hates it. He moans. He, he moans and Marge says, I think that's okay. <laughs> Women know nothing about football. Again, the American football in this podcast, it's insane. Um, but when you look back on that now... Didn't they just win the Super Bowl? They did Bowl? just win the Super Bowl. They just won the Super Bowl. So this was done in 90. They were obviously crap in 96 <laughs> when this was done. But, um, yeah, they won the Super Bowl. So, Homer, I hope you're happy if you continue to, to last yeah. for that 20 years. J- just such a, It's such a brilliant piss take of the, of the James Bond era. It is. It, it, Scorpio is just an amalgamation of all these different different villains, but he's so villainous. It's even turned up to 11 in the Simpsons universe. But he's the nicest bloke ever. But that's the thing. I reckon this episode started in the writer's room is what happens... All, there's been jokes, you know. Austin Powers has done, has done that around yeah. mm-hmm. what would it be like to work for an evil evil corporation. Yeah, that's right. Th- this is what happens if the supervillain is actually a super super great boss. Yeah, and he is, Scorpio is a great boss. And the flip on that is that Homer works for the nuclear power plant with the worst boss ever. Yeah, who yeah. is in in himself a villain. Yeah, but doesn't even compare to Scorpio because he's such a top bloke. Yeah, <laughs> so that's and, great. And, and it's so great that you play with that archetype of well, what it's like to work with a with a with a supervillain. Yeah. Um, and it's closed out by a beautiful Shirley Bassey type James Bond score about That's Scorpio. Right. Really closed yep. out beautifully. It's seconds. that nice touch, that mm. really really lovely touch of having that brassy James Bond esque theme yep. music come out with with Scorpio in it. Um, it wraps the episode up beautifully. Absolutely perfectly. So that is it's some of the best um, twenty five minutes or twenty seven minutes, however long an episode is, that you'll ever spend in your life. So, so go out, watch watch this episode again, season eight, episode two. Sarah, I need to know where I can get some business hammocks. Hammocks? My goodness, what an idea. Why didn't I think of that? Hammocks! Homer, there's four places. There's the hammock hut. That's on third. Uh-huh. There's hammocks or us. Got that's it. on third, too. You got put your butt there? Mm-hmm. That's on third. Yeah. Swing low, sweet chariot? Right. Okay. Matter of fact, they're all in the same complex. It's the hammock complex down on third. Oh, the hammock district. That's right. So I think... 
the most important thing of this whole podcast, and the thing we've been talked about the most, emailed about the most, is the ridiculousness of Shannon's rant. So what we're going to do now is throw it over to Shannon. Hopefully something movie related, but let's let's see what he says. Time for Shannon's rant. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. People of the world, ladies and gentlemen, I know you've been waiting for this. We have been inundated, inundated with with emails about this. And you know I'm angry. I'm an angry man. And uh, there are things that upset me on a regular basis that I feel the need to talk about. Today, Isla Fisher, I know you're listening. Get a new fucking agent, right? Straight out. Don't, anyone who hasn't seen it, and I apologise to our German friends Hahn and Gunther, my friends of ours who are clearly listening to this right now, look it up online. Isla Fisher is doing ING commercials. Now, ING is a bank. And the premise of these these ads is that she's standing talking to camera and she's doing ads for them. And she's playing a kind of warped version of herself. And if you want to see actors play warped versions of themselves, go and watch Extras, the Ricky Gervais TV series. It's done well. This is the opposite of that, in that it is done terribly. Isla Fisher is playing a bastardised, whiny, piece-of-shit version of herself to an ad that's not funny. Now, Banks, you take our money... You don't really give us a lot in return, and what you give us is shitty ads that you play on the TV. Stop doing them. You understand? There's about nine versions of them, and they're all the same. The last one I saw was her standing next to a tall person, and the, the whole premise of the ad was that Isla Fisher wanted to be taller than the other chick. Everyone in the ad, apart from Isla Fisher, knows that she's ridiculous. I don't think that's acting. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that they've just shot the commercial of them trying to shoot a commercial with Isla Fisher and everyone's sick of her shit and she's the only one that doesn't get it. It's not doing your image any good. What was the last movie you are in? Now you, now you see me, now you don't, or whatever that shitty movie was with Jesse Eisenberg who was thought he was playing Lex Luthor but played a terrible version. If, and, and that will be a rant, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you worry, Batman vs. Superman is coming. It is coming. You need a new agent? I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. I'll give me a call. Send us an email, themaskpodcasters.gmail at gmail or whatever. Jake will fucking tell you. <laughs> I don't like them, Isla. I do not like them. You need to get out of them while you can. All right? Listen to the, tim- the timbrous sounds of my voice. Get out. Rant over. So there you have it, folks. That's the podcast for week number two. I'd like to thank Shannon and I'd like to thank Jack for spending some time with me this week. You can send us an email, themaskpodcasters at gmail.com. You can also send us a line on Facebook. You can share us. You can like us. We're under the Mars Podcasters. Please send us a line any way you can. We'd love to hear your questions. That's the Mars Podcasters for this week. We'll see you in a fortnight. And I can attest, Jack drives past children on playgrounds and just screams and <laughs> quotes at them and they just don't react. And then they call the police. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. Calling all cars, men on foot, last name of the primary school.